World building is different than setting, in my opinion. Setting is a room, a backdrop. It's scenery. But without good world building, you can't have realistic feeling scenery. You can't have cool, unique backdrops for your story. Patrick Rothfuss. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hole. And I'm Lee S's. We will be talking once again about Lee's new book, The Modaku Anthologies, specifically the first one, Fog and Flame, and about my favorite topic, world building. One of the advantages of being an action author is you don't have to spend a lot of time on scenery, on settings and world building and all of that. Yes, there are cool little moments that you can sort of glom onto and enjoy, but you don't care about the rest of the world unless it's interacting with the main character in some way. Of course, fantasy is very different. Yes, it is. You may recall one of the main things I requested of Lee when editing my work is to find ways to make the novel feel like a fantasy novel and not like an action novel. I've think today's episode is the biggest, loudest response she has to that request. Absolutely. When you're writing action, there is an expectation that the reader already knows the world. The majority of action novels take place on Earth, mostly contemporary, sometimes historical, but it's pretty well established when it's historical. With your story specifically, You don't spend a lot of time on the world itself. There's enough information there for us to kind of get the idea that it's almost a medieval Europe style story, but there's so little description to anchor the reader in the world itself. Like the quote at the beginning, without that world building, the scene setting is really difficult because you haven't established a world. But sometimes it feels like all I'm doing is scene setting. (laughs) And that's okay. Here's the thing for you specifically, and it could apply to a lot of you, our listeners, as well. But if you think it's too much, it's probably not, but it can be edited out later. Part of my issue, I think, is when I'm self-editing, I'm taking a lot of those descriptions out. Don't do that. Well, if it's not relevant that tribesmen have horizontal hemlines and clansmen all have angular hemlines, they don't have them straight across parallel to the ground. There's nothing to do with that information. That information never comes up again. There's a brief moment where she has wildflowers dangling from her skirt and then she lights them on fire because it's fun. But that's as plot relevant as their clothing style comes. So I don't feel like spending three pages on it is really that interesting. And if it's not plot relevant, that's fine. You don't have to include it. You don't have to go full Tolkien and talk about a tree for three pages that has no relevance to the story itself. But you can take time to tell us where they are. They're in a forest. (laughs) Okay, so is there a particularly gnarly tree? Is the tree relevant? (laughs) We're going to Tolkien here. My bad. That was a bad example. 
if the tree has food, it becomes a landmark in later books in the series. But if there's no relevance to the location <laughs> in the plot, then I really don't spend a lot of time on it. But again, that leads to feeling like everything is taking place on a black stage. So it's finding that balance. You don't have to elaborately tell us three pages of where they are in the world, but a little mention of how bright it was, a little mention of the grass under their feet, just giving us something to anchor the reader in the world. See, it's interesting because as I'm designing my world, as I'm designing what's going on, I have a very specific setup. Like I could right now draw you a map of their camp and this and that and how all of these pieces interact over time. But I don't always fill in a lot of the gaps until it becomes time to fill it in. Otherwise, I would do the Tolkien thing and have four decades of backstory Instead of writing about both clans' entire theology, I have one scene where he's telling a tribal myth to a clansman kid because it's a story the kid hasn't heard yet. That's it. That's as much as we get. So here's the thing. Didn't you just tell me a few episodes ago if I have something later in my book, I should establish it earlier? This is the same thing. If you have something that comes into play later, try to establish it earlier so that is part of the setting that the readers are imagining as they're going through it. In the first book, in the setting of where the first kind of ceremony took place, I didn't have a good enough picture of what that was when it came into play later. You had this bonding ceremony where this layout was really important. Before that, you just called it a clearing. And then later you called it a road. And I'm like, those are two very different things in my head. That way, when it comes into play, the reader doesn't have to go, wait, what do you mean a road? You never mentioned a road. There are no roads. Yeah, road was not the right word for that particular place. Because, again, they're nomadic. So the thing with this is mostly to convey the idea for your future projects in fantasy. It's okay to spend time on the scenes. You don't have to cut every single mention of what's happening around. Obviously, you don't want to go full Chekhov's gun and have useless things just laying around, but that is such a hard line to tread. It's like, if it doesn't come up later, it's out. <laughs> I almost cut most of the library scene. I wanted to establish Alana's character in Taking Command and how she interacts in a panic situation. I wanted that scene in there, but otherwise I couldn't care less what the structure of the library is. And I agree with you. I would have, if it weren't for that, I would have taken out that entire scene because the library didn't matter. I guess my difficulty is I have a hard time identifying those opportunities. And this comes back to why we read a particular genre. Because I don't read a whole lot of fantasy, and I know I should, especially because I like the creative process of making new cultures and that kind of thing. When you have your MC stepping out of the tent for the first time, he is going to look around and noticing, okay, there's this really particularly gnarly tree off this direction. 
You don't have to say anything more than just it's a weird tree. Just something more that in that moment he would be trying to take in where he is to see if he maybe recognizes the area so he can know maybe how far away he is from something tribe. I think this is one of those advantages of being a plotter because I know what happens next. So I guess I should be thinking backwards about it. Instead of going, there's a gnarly tree, going, that's the stump that later Uzeri pierced my arm with. Setting those up ahead of time, I just, I have a hard time making them relevant. I know you don't like it because, again, you're an action author. You like to get to the next point. But when you're writing fantasy, that is different. There's a different expectation of the world. Before we close this episode, though, one of the things you wanted me to talk about was the magic system itself. This is a very simple magic system. As Brandon Sanderson would classify it, it's a soft magic system, which works because, again, you don't spend a lot of time explaining the magic itself. In the moment, it works. Absolutely, it works because the characters at the time don't understand it. He's explaining what is going on in that moment. And... I can see him future that's writing all of this down going, that's not how it went. I can't just explain all of the magic because that's not what we understood it to be at that time. So there is that element of not knowing fully what the magic is, which just creates more mystery and intrigues me. So that's a good balance between being, okay, what is this magic system? And ooh, what is this magic system? And I think you tread that line really well. So that was a very good way to do it. Another thing you did really well was the clans versus the tribes. You established without exposition that there is this major rivalry, you know, warlike system between the clans and the tribes. A lot of racial conflict there because people are terrible no matter where you are. (laughs) So... For your first adventure into world building, you did a good job. I really enjoyed the story. Aside from not seeing the world itself, you did a good job with the other aspects of world building that were part of your story. On that note, that's what our bonus episode is going to be talking about. Because the important thing with editing is also understanding what you did well. You don't want to end your editing sessions, your editing conversations on a bad note because then it just makes you feel like you're terrible at writing. That should end this series on a lighter note, a happier note, because we have talked a lot about criticism. We've really torn apart each other's stories to help us get better because that's what we need to do. That's what editing is about. It's about getting better, understanding there's always things that you need to improve in the process of everything. But you can improve what's not written. So make sure that you write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 